0: Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Are you listening to the right podcast? Because you're supposed to be listening
1: to Three Guys in Flick. Are you listening to that right now? Then you're in the right place. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is
2: about to begin. You punched me, made me walk through shitty water, dragged me through a crack house, and now I'm going to have to kill this fucking clown. Welcome back you are listening to three guys in a flick this is where we review the good the bad and the absurd tonight's episode it chapter one beware spoilers coming to you from the barons in Derry, maine my name is don and to my right we have
1: our comic
2: book guy this is john
1: ain't nothing like a little fear to make a paper man crumble
2: and to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing tonight? Beep, beep. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. All right, all right. Do you know the significance of the beep, beep?
1: Yes, and I guess in the book, that was a way to tell Richie to shut the hell up. Yeah, very good,
2: comic book guy. Very good. That is correct. Uh, have you read the book?
1: I have started it like four or five times, but I have not gotten all the way through it. Professor,
2: have you read it?
1: I have not read it, but after watching the movie, now
2: I want to read it. Or listen to it. Listening to it is a viable option. I'm just Mm. saying. I'm just saying. That's how I got through it. And not a bad Stephen King book. You know, not my favorite, but not a bad Stephen King book. Tonight is our second week of Stephen King movies, and we decided that we wanted to talk about It Chapter One. And uh, just a quick question, probably more directed toward you there, John. Why did you want to do the 2017 and not the 1990s miniseries?
1: Well, the 2017 came out in a theater and we tend to do movies. Uh, Plus, I also liked how much more this one actually goes into the book details than the miniseries did. But I have to admit, I mean, Tim Curry is amazing in the miniseries.
2: Uh, I I started watching it this morning, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was made in the 90s. It's mm-hmm. dated. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. It was released on September 5th, 2017. It was based on the book It by Stephen King. It was directed by Andy Muschietti, screenplay by Chase Palmer, Kerry Fukunawa, and Gary Duberman. And it stars Jaden Lindenberg. Bill Skarsgård, Jeremy Ray Taylor, Sophie Lillis, Finn Wolfhard, Wyatt Olaf, Chosen Jacobs, Jack Dylan Grazer, Nicholas Hamilton, Jackson Robert Scott, and a
1: bunch of other actors. So the director, Andy, uh, besides Chapter 2 and this movie, what other movies is he known for?
2: I'm going to guess a horror movie. Oh, Mama?
1: That's the, I guess that's the only other one that I could find, the movie that he directed, but I guess he's doing The Flash coming out.
2: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Interesting take. Uh, I haven't seen Mama. I've heard good things about Mama. And, you know, tis the season. Maybe I'll check out
3: Mama.
0: It, it, it's similar to the vein of what Lights Out was. And it didn't necessarily win lots of awards, but it, it mirrors what happened five years after the short, you have the movie Mama come out.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: interesting.
0: It, it's a fun little watch. Have you seen it? Yes. Oh, look at you, Professor. Right
2: on. I'm going to have to check it out.
0: He only has a couple of directing credits. He only has like eight directing credits.
2: Yeah. No, he hasn't, he hasn't done a whole lot. But uh, what he has done, uh, I've enjoyed. You know what I mean? So, not bad. How'd this movie do, Don? Uh this movie was made for forty million dollars and it brought in seven hundred and two million dollars. So that
0: that's a nice that's a nice payoff. Not
2: bad. And especially for it being a horror an, movie. A horror movie, yes, and an adaptation of a Stephen King book to boot.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um outside of, you know, uh fucking maybe you know this, but outside of uh, you know, Shawshank or Maybe even Misery. Uh, his Stephen King's movies don't make a whole lot of money. You know what I mean? None of them are ever blockbusters. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it coming out when it did um, was good timing, and I think people were ready for it.
0: Well, speaking of Stephen King's stories, we have another movie that's uh, in the works. I don't know how far out it is, but one of the writers, uh, Gary Doberman, he also uh, is responsible for The Nun, Annabelle, but he wrote and what way he's responsible for the screenplay and directing
1: for Salem's Lot. I have heard that one's coming out. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah,
2: did you ever see the 1979 version with David Soul? No, I haven't, but I've,
1: David I've heard some good things about it. It was, it was creepy.
0: Yeah, for the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It
2: was creepy for yeah. the time.
0: One of the other writers, uh, Joji uh, Fukunago, he directed and wrote No Time to Die and Beast of No Nation. Did you guys ever see Beast of No Nation? Mm-mm. No. Fucking intense movie! Holy moly! Uh, it takes place uh, in the heart of one of these African cultures that are conscripting children to be soldiers, and so uh, it's it's a really intense watch. Uh, it stars Idris Elba. Uh,
2: it sounds familiar. Did it just come out? No, it's probably. Oh no no the, the one with three four Id- or five years ago yeah, the one with Netflix, Idris. The one with Idris Elba that just came out was like a Beast or something.
1: Yeah, the one where he's ha- the lion's hunting him right, or he's yeah, hunting the lion. Yeah. Jaws in Africa, mm-hmm.
3: right.
2: Um, and did you guys know that Kerry Fukunawa was the original director of this film, mm-hmm. but left the project, and that's when Annie Muschietti came in. I wonder why he left. Creative differences, I think. Huh? But he got screenplay credit.
1: Well, Bill Skarsgård wasn't the original one uh recruited to play Pennywise. I can't remember the name of the actor that originally was. Do you know, Ken? But uh, I don't see how this movie would have worked without Bill Skarsgård. I think he's just amazing in this movie.
2: Yeah, he did a really good job. Uh, Pennywise is pretty creepy here. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he does better than Tim Curry, myself. Um, but, you know, uh, he they each play Pennywise to their interpretation I think uh, Tim Curry did a great job of being a clown Mm -hmm. and menacing, where Skarsgård was all creepy, all horror, all the time. And for me, I
1: like that better. Did you see Skarsgård's interview about him and Tim Curry? No. Uh, He actually met with Tim Curry and discussed the role and decided that he was not going to try to play this role to outdo Tim Curry. He, he figured you just can't outdo Tim Curry. So whereas Tim Curry played the character kind of a more mature type Pennywise with a deeper voice and more clown-like, Skarsgård went for a more immature version with a higher voice, talks more like in a chilled child's voice with more, you know, shaky movements, things like that, so that it would be completely different than Tim Curry's version.
2: Yeah, well, he did a great job. He was Mm -hmm. fucking creepy.
1: One thing I loved about it, and they were going to do this with like a CGI, you know, the whole eye thing of how, you know, Bill could get his eyes to go in different directions. That was actually him doing it. He told the director, you don't have to pay the money for it. I can do it. So the idea was he would always try to have one eye on the kids and one eye looking at the camera so like it's looking at the audience. Yeah. Yeah, And that just boosted the creep factor in this movie.
2: Yeah, and he could also do something with his bottom lip, which the director really plays up. And when you watch it, it's well, fucking creepy.
1: He got that smile from, I guess, he when he was young, he used to tease and scare his brothers by doing the, uh, the little smile thing that he does in the movie.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I can see that being creepy.
0: I guess one of the first scenes that he shot, he shot when he is uh, terrorizing Eddie, and he's right over him. And the kids, they hadn't seen him necessarily before. And so they blocked it a little bit. And then they dove into the uh, action of it. And, you know, and off they go. And here he is, you know, yelling, being all Pennywise to him. And, and Jack, he's blubbering and crying. And then, and in the back of his mind, he's thinking, oh my God, I am traumatizing this child. Yeah. And then cut. And then, then he's like, are you okay,
2: Jack? I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing with the character. I love this. This yeah. is so good. Yeah. I mean, imagine making it. You know, I'm sure that was a lot of fun.
1: Well, the other thing, too, is I guess the prosthetic teeth that he had in his mouth made him drool. That wasn't on purpose, but the director loved it so much, he decided to keep it in. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the other characters. Do you, did you, you know, uh,
0: I, I think initially the only person that I really recognized was uh, Finn Wolfhart from. Stranger Things, but were you familiar with some of these other actors?
2: I was familiar with Wyatt Olaf, uh, Stan, the Jewish
1: kid. Mm. I wasn't familiar with any of them except for Finn.
2: Uh, Wyatt Olaf plays a young Peter Quill in the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy, Ooh, yes, he one. does. I feel like I saw the kid that plays Eddie before, but I could have been dreaming that because now he's everywhere. But um, I really, I really liked this, uh, the cast that they got, and uh, these kids that got to come out and you know uh, bring this adaptation to life. I thought it was very well cast, and I, I really enjoyed. Everybody in this cast, I thought every part was great.
1: Sophia Lillis, who plays Bev, or Beverly, uh, did you hear about her casting? No. When she originally went in for the role, she was turned down. She actually had her short hair and kind of wore just T-shirt and jeans, and they thought she was too boyish So they they turned her down, but then she got a call back where she put extensions in her hair and wore a dress. And they said, okay, well, she's feminine enough to put in this movie. But I think that's one of the reasons why they had her lop off her hair in the movie so that she didn't have to wear those extensions all the time. Oh, maybe. Do you know, too, and I thought this was interesting because I really watched for it in this movie. She's only five feet tall. She's the shortest Of them all. So a lot of times she had to either stand on a box or wear tall, you know, high shoes, things like that, to look like she was taller than some of the boys. Because
0: she's supposed to be 15, whereas these other guys are supposed to be younger than that. Mm -hmm. So Jaden Martell, also known as Jaden Lieberher, get this. He is attached to a revival of the 1987 Lost Boys.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. He's the one that plays Bill. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like,
2: Hmm. holy shit. He's also in a movie that just came out on Netflix, Mr. Hamilton's phone or something like that. Kid buries a f- cell phone with his mentor or whatever, and it starts ringing or starts calling him.
0: Oh, oh okay.
2: Yeah. It's a cool premise.
0: But get this about Finn Wolfhard. So, you know, besides, you know, his, his, uh, Stranger Things and his Ghostbusters Afterlife. This kid's only 20 years old, and he had uh, he's released a short that ended up winning um, a film festival down in Atlanta, and it's called Night Shifts. It's worth a watch. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah? I, yeah, I dug it. This guy comes into a quickie mart to rob it, and the guy behind the counter, he's freaking out because the gun's in his face. But it, he's like he recognizes the guy on the other in, in the mask. And then the guy in the mask, as soon as as soon as the quickie guy says the guy's name, turns out the guy in the mask. Oh, wait a minute. And they went to high school together. And so they end up sitting and talking.
2: Oh, really? Interesting. Did he make it or is he just in it?
0: He wrote and directed it. Oh, wow. Good. For yeah. Him. It,
1: uh, it, it's worth a watch. Since we're kind of on a Stephen King kick right now of just, you know, watching some of his movies. Did you know or do you know what number this is for film adaptations at this point for Stephen King? Twenty. Do you have a guess? Two
0: thousand seventeen. I'll say thirty.
1: Forty third. This is his forty third film adaptation.
2: I think it's one of the best ones. But it's definitely in the top ten. Yeah, but that's just me.
1: I haven't obviously read all the books. I've only read a couple of Stephen King books, but would you probably say, since I think you've read most or more than any of us, Don, would you say this is the closest to the book? Maybe.
2: I mean, you're talking about an 1100 page uh, novel and it being condensed down essentially into two hours and 14 minutes, however long this movie was. Right. Uh, They had to cut a lot of it out. And there was a lot of things that were in the book that are not in this chapter or or even in the next chapter. Uh, But fundamentally, it follows the book pretty well. Uh, we have our bad guy, we have our uh, protagonists, our antagonists, you know. Uh, it's definitely updated uh, to, to fit the times. But, you know, I, I think Misery was pretty close to the book as well. I don't know if it's the best uh, adaptation, but um, it certainly works. Mm-hmm. So Certainly,
0: without a doubt, the closest adaptation, hands down, has to be Stand By Me. Now, granted, it's a short story that was in a novella first, Interestingly enough, it's in the same novella as Rita Hayworth in The Shawshank Redemption. And there's another really good story in that as well. But we'll get to that some other day. Mm-hmm. But Stand By Me, hands down, is the closest adaptation from a story that I have ever encountered. I At the time, I remember counting only three very subtle little things that were not in the movie that were included in the book. Interesting. The movie is entirely accurate to the story. The story
1: even has Barforama in it. Stand by me, huh? Absolutely. Oh. Uh, Fan-fucking-tastic movie. Another thing I really appreciate about this movie is a lot of the Easter eggs that are in this movie. Did you catch the Stephen King movie references, how they were done in this movie? Um, other references to his other movies? I guess with the kids' t-shirts, and I caught it a couple times, they're... The kids wear different T-shirts that reference... One of them references Christine. Another one references The Shining, Carrie, and Pet Cemetery. Like Mm -hmm. in one scene, I don't know if you noticed, Eddie's wearing a shirt with a killer car on it. I didn't catch that at all. I didn't even pay attention to that. I I watched this. This is one of my go-to movies, and I like to watch it over and over again. Uh, Anytime I can't think of something to watch, I put on either Chapter 1 or Chapter 2, and I always kind of look for these different Easter eggs that I've read about.
2: Did you professor happened to notice what was on the movie marquee when they ran by it i I thought of you immediately even when i saw this movie in 2017 i remember i
0: i I don't remember what it was but i remember specifically being struck was it lethal weapon two because it it came out in 89 and what else came out in 89 i I remember specifically
2: catching it but I, i didn't make note of it batman
0: Oh, that was it, under, it was
2: the one underneath. Yeah, it's Batman and Lethal Weapon 2 at the same theater. That's a fucking awesome theater.
1: That's a great Friday. There was another movie referenced on there as well. In, In this In a different one? scene, yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, right? Nightmare on Elm Street 5, because I guess uh, when they made this movie, they actually had sprinkled throughout the movie references to Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Yeah. They yeah. said, I guess it inspired some of the scenes. Interesting. I can't
2: imagine Nightmare on Elm Street 5 inspiring anything. But, hey, to each his own. In October 1988, 12-year-old Bill Denbro crafts a paper sailboat for Georgie, his six-year-old brother. Georgie sails the boat along the rainy streets of small-town Derry, Maine, only to have it fall down a storm drain. As he attempts to retrieve it, Georgie sees a clown in the drain, who introduces himself as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Pennywise entices Georgie to come closer then rips his arm off and drags him into the sewer. The following summer, in June 1989, Bill and his friends, Richie Tozer, Eddie Casprack, and Stan Uris, run afoul of older bullies Henry Bowers, Belch Huggins, Patrick Hostetter, and Victor Chris. Bill, still haunted by Georgie's disappearance, calculates that his brother's body may have washed up in a marshy wasteland called the Barrens. He recruits his friends to investigate, believing Georgie may still be alive. Ben Hanscom, one of Bill's new classmates, learns that unexplained tragedies and children disappearances have plagued the town for centuries. Targeted by Bauer's gang, Ben flees into the barrens and meets Bill's group. They find the sneaker of a missing girl named Betty Ripson, while Patrick is killed by Pennywise while searching the sewers for Ben. So, uh, what would you guys think of this opening scene?
0: I thought it was uh, wonderfully creepy the fact that they had so much uh, flat coloring and shadows and darkness for him to go down through the house and have the house, even though it's daylight, be so dark. And, and why in the world do you choose to go down into the basement <laughs> in complete darkness when it intimidates you in the first place? I don't know. Well, when you want to get the
2: wax to make the boat, you do what you got to do. I mean, he tried on the, on the light. light. He did. He tried. It was out. But, I, he, but he still went down.
1: Yeah, because he had to. Otherwise, Bill would have beaten him up. It, it was so dark. It was fucking dark, right?
2: <laughs> and, and and it gives the director a chance to, you know, kind of tease you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially know? with those
1: what looked like eyes. I, what car. Were
2: they like roller skates or something? It was know, the metal. Yeah, it was the movie. metal that was the reflection of whatever made it look like eyes. Um, so, yeah, you have this basement scene, which is kind of a fake out. And then, you know, Georgie... Uh, gets his boat, goes outside, and, I mean, this bit, uh, when they meet Pennywise for the first time. Uh, what did you guys think of Pennywise?
1: I love that introduction of Pennywise. I don't, like, when I first saw it, I'd only ever seen the miniseries, so obviously the miniseries wasn't as graphic, but just the introduction and the way that he was so childlike in that sewer drain, it was a very interesting take on it.
0: I knew right off the bat
1: that Georgie's
0: going
2: down into that drain Mm -hmm. yeah do you notice how Pennywise's eyes has changed his eye
1: color it went from the color of his mom's eyes of Georgie's mom's eyes to lure him in uh to that yellow and it seemed if you watch the movie every time he's about to attack or he's about to eat his eyes go yellow
2: yeah um I thought a couple of things I thought a fucking run Georgie are Mm -hmm. you out of your fucking mind look at this guy he's drooling he's a fucking drooling clown and two, when he gets his arm bitten off and he starts crawling away and I'm thinking, oh, they're holding on this, right? The, uh, the director's showing us that this kid's trying to get away and struggling and then it goes to that over-the-top shot and you see the hand come out of the sewer mm-hmm. and then Georgie gets pulled back. Oh, I thought it was fucking brilliant. I, I thought it was a great opening.
1: I can't think of another movie off the top of my head that has such a violent scene with such a young kid. That early on in the movie,
2: yeah, it was it was brutal. It wasn't over the top brutal. It was it, it was brutal enough to make you feel uneasy. I don't and know. I, with, and I thought that was good.
1: With a nubbin for the arm, basically, you could just see where he just chewed the arm off. Yeah, he just bit that, it off. That's that's pretty brutal. That's, that's what pretty, I said. I said it was brutal. You said it wasn't that graphic, or whatever. It's, it's not. I thought it was kind of graphic to have this, you know, bloody stump where his arm used to be.
2: I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I didn't think it was that brutal.
1: One of the things I thought was interesting was how, you know, when the boat first starts getting away from Georgie, Georgie says, Bill's going to kill me. And then in the sewer, you know, Pennywise repeats back, you know, don't you want your boat? Bill's going to kill you. And then what happens later in the movie? Pennywise, in the form of Georgie, gets killed by Bill. What's that an example of? Coincidence. That's all it is. I don't know. I feel kind of like it might have been foreshadowing. But he doesn't kill Georgie. He kills Pennywise I as know. Georgie. Exactly, but still. What do you mean, but still? It's he,
2: not the same thing. He kills Georgie. He doesn't. He kills who's Pennywise, really Pennywise, who's really Georgie. You're you're reversing the identity. Um, you're just stretching it. No, I fuck, you're stretching it. Uh, the reason, do you know why Pennywise says Bill's going to kill you?
1: To get him to take the boat.
2: But why does he use that? I don't know. Because Georgie is afraid of Bill, you know, big brother killing him. And Pennywise thrives on your fears. He knows what you're afraid of. So that was a perfect bait.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious at the end of the movie there, when he does that, why does it show Georgie with his arm lost? Because Bill knows nothing about that. But Pennywise do.
1: does. Yeah, And we do as the audience. But, well, but Bill knows nothing about it, so why? Because it's not what, at this point, it's not what... Uh, you know, Bill remembers Georgie one way, but Pennywise knows he was missing his arm at that point.
2: Yeah, I, I guess I would but, say who cares?
1: But at that point, and we'll get to it. That's where Pennywise makes a critical mistake. So then we're taken to June 1989,
2: and we are introduced to the Losers Club. So we kind of talked a little bit about this cast. What do you guys think of the characters themselves?
0: I thought that the characters were were strong, and it may this is what makes me want to have the story uh, read just because of these characters, I am certain that these characters are a lot stronger in print than they were represented in the movie. They jammed as much as they could in there, and certainly there's a, a ton of backstory that you get from each one of these characters. But for the most part, you know, I know that it's going to be a lot richer if I were to read it. I, I think that you know, out of all of these characters, it is uh, the the thread of Bill that pulls us through, and having all of these other characters, and gradually. I learned their names, but I had to work really hard at it. And the fact that there were so many other characters, it's like, wait, who what's 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 his name again? And so it you know, I, I worked really hard at it and, and thankfully, you know, they did say their names from time to time because, you know, having so many characters, how do you keep track of everybody?
1: One thing that I appreciated about these characters is when I watch movies, sometimes you self-identify with certain characters or you look at like the character and say i knew somebody just like that as a kid so each one i tried to say okay well which one is most like me or which one is most like my friend so i was wondering don ken is there any of those characters that you identified with when you were that age
2: uh i was probably a cross between can i guess yes please
1: i would have guessed you were closer to richie
2: yeah yeah. The jokester. Yeah, I was definitely the a foul mouth, little kid, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I was probably a, a, a version of Richie as well, but I definitely was not part of an, a, a crowd at all. I, I was very much on the outskirts of things.
1: You? I was going to say Richie, maybe with a little bit of Stan, but mostly Richie. You? Yeah. Richie? I was very sarcastic. I still am. Uh ah. When i to get a word I, in. See, I, I, I
2: would, have, I would have gone way more towards Stan, Stan and Beverly for sure. Um.
0: <laughs> you know, out of all the introductions, I, I think the one that that was the hardest for me was Mike's introduction because he's he's trying to execute the animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that has always made me uneasy, and as much as I enjoy, you know, my 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 cavern, you know. My meat, I, I don't like thinking about the process of which it takes to get the meat to me. Really? No. Yeah. It, it makes me uneasy. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, how each of these kids comes from kind of a bad home life. I mean, you look at him... And, you know, his parents died in a fire. Is he living with, I think, his uncle? And his uncle is basically telling him, you do this, you know, you're either the hunter or you're the prey, basically. It's kind of a rough lesson for that kid to learn after, you know, all the trauma he's had in his life.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you're a fucking kid. Suck it up.
1: What, That's you, basically you, what a guy said to him.
2: Well, you, yeah, you can't go back and change the past. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, Mike's parents are alive in the book. Um... I, I, would, I will also comment
0: right now that pretty much all of the grown-ups we are introduced to in this story, none of them come across as being any sort of a kind-hearted person. All, all of the grown-ups that we are introduced to, they all seem to be not nice people.
2: And, and here's the thing. In Derry, uh, the adults, uh, every time this time of season comes around when it comes to town, the adults kind of go into this autopilot mode. Well, they don't notice it and exist. they don't, yeah, it doesn't exist. And so, um, that explains a lot of the adults behavior throughout this film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause the, it's, it's very intentional.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously it's Pennywise's effect on them. Let alone, did you notice every time someone went into a room with a TV playing? what the TV was saying and what yeah. show it was on. Yeah. It was on that kid's show. It was always on a kid's show. It was always talking about if you see a clown, go to the clown and how much fun it is to play in the sewers. Yeah. And these parents are watching it. So you could see that they're being influenced by Pennywise.
0: Yeah. Out, outside the school, there was also this, uh, sign that said 7 PM curfew. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Ooh,
2: things are not good. Right. And it's, you know, it's one of those stories where, uh, you're, you're not safe. Uh, I, I really did. I liked the introduction of Ben. Uh, I liked, you know, the whole new kids on the block bit. And he becomes kind of the uh, town histo- historian, mm-hmm. um, which in the book, it's Mike. So curious to why they flipped it, but whatever. Um, but I like the research that he does, and I like the stories that he tells, and we start to get the history of dairy and these strange occurrences that are happening. All along the while, Pennywise is slowly revealing himself to our, to our cast, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when Mike um, goes to drop off the meat and he says, sees the burned hands, this, that, and the other, when he opens the door, Pennywise is there. You know what I mean? Um, Bill, Bill goes down to the basement and he thinks he sees Georgie. Here's Georgie. Uh, did you notice uh, it looked like Pennywise was using Georgie as a puppet?
1: hmm <laughs> Well, one of the things I was going to say, too, and then I commented earlier about Easter eggs, is even before some of these scenes happen, Pennywise is always in the background, whether he's in a mural, where he's in you know, one of the pictures in the book. If you notice when Ben is in the library... And he's going through the pages of that book. Did you see the old lady in the background? No. She turns and and slowly as they kind of go back to Ben, they go back to her. She slowly is getting closer to him. And this creepy smile is getting bigger and bigger on her face. And this is the show that even when the kids don't know Pennywise is around, he's been always watching them.
2: They do effects like that throughout this movie and even in the second one, which I really dig because they're subtle. And if you notice them, you kind of go, oh, shit, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't notice them, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch it and notice it. Yeah, so,
1: watch that library scene. Yeah. Watch the old lady in the background. Because at one moment, she's just looking at the card stacks. The next moment, she's just staring at him with this crazy smile.
0: I really loved uh, Ben's introduction to us. We are instantly understanding who Ben is when Beverly signs his yearbook. And, the new kid. And, and let me let me uh, sign your yearbook, and she opens it up, and it's completely empty. It's Just like, oh, you're that kid.
2: Did your heart break a little bit? Absolutely. So did mine. So well on the filmmakers for letting us have that moment. Yeah, she opens up the yearbook, and I'm just like, oh, man. I totally would have signed his book.
1: Well, I also kept thinking, too, how could Ben not have a crush on her how could he not fall in love with her the way she was so nice to him
0: well and they had class together too she just didn't
1: remember him mm-hmm. <laughs> but just how they uh, they share that bond through the new kids on the block ben
2: and so you know we are introduced to our losers club or the majority of them uh very briefly we are introduced to bev she's in the bathroom getting called a slut getting slut shamed and you know she kind of expects it and she kind of tolerates it for whatever, uh, for whatever reason. And then, right,
0: she
1: puts that bag over her head because she, she knows, knows it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another, so. another Easter egg. Who I can't remember the name of the girl that's bullying him or bullying her. Do you remember the name of a girl? No. She is writing. She has a pen in her hand. And oh, she's, she's in the pharmacy. Yeah, and she's writing on the bathroom stall something about you know she's an evil bitch on the bathroom stall. So it's been something that's been going on for a while between the two of them.
2: What's the Easter egg?
1: That's the Easter egg is that she's, uh, if you notice, she's got a mark on her hand and she's writing it, but there's also comments of Pennywise on that uh, that bathroom stall. Oh, I'd
2: have to look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I missed Something it.
1: about uh, kill all clowns or something like that is written on the, oh. on the bathroom stall. Oh, I see.
2: And then, you know, after we meet all of our main characters, uh, we get introduced to the bullies. And you have Henry Bowers and Patrick Hockstetter and uh, the rest of his gang belch belch and in the book they have a way bigger role right in this uh not so much and i kind of appreciated that because i didn't need a whole lot of backstory or or a lot of evil characters we know that pennywise is the bad right but yeah you have to have kind of like a side villain if you will what do you guys think of harry bowers psychotic little bastard right yeah, he's, he's one scary little motherfucker. Yeah, he
0: is a scary uh, motherfucker. Unhinged.
1: But, but here's the question, since you've read the book, and I've read about Patrick in the book, that in a lot of ways, he was almost worse in the book than Henry was. Oh, Patrick Hockstetter? Yeah. He 100% w- he was. He was, I guess, butchering animals and putting them in a refrigerator at a junkyard. Uh, let me stop you right there. Kills his brother when he's
2: five years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. He smothers him in his crib. Okay, that right there wins
1: the other storyline that they kind of left out was i guess from what i read patrick was in love with henry
2: uh yeah kind of uh he they had tendencies so patrick hockstetter and his buddies they they start picking on ben and uh you know they pick on the fat kid
1: well one thing i was going to bring up is this is not the first time that stephen king has used that name patrick hockstetter in one of his books slash movies uh especially in a book uh, do you know what the other time was? No, I don't. Firestarter, which is interesting because if you notice, what is the weapon of choice in the movie for Patrick? Uh, fire. Yeah, so they did that kind of callback, even though he doesn't. It's not the same character in the two books. They did a callback to Firestarter by giving him that kind of that fire with the spray, um, which I guess that's not in the book. No,
2: he doesn't. Uh, Patrick Hawkester doesn't die this way in the book. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Patrick Hawkester's death. Uh, Henry Bowers and his gang pick on Ben and they start to rough him up and this scene this scene makes me uneasy every time I watch it uh, when uh, Henry carves an H into Ben's belly uh, it makes me un. Uh, there's two bits that make me uneasy the first bit is when the car with the adults drive by and Ben's pleading with them to for help. And they just look at him and drive by, and just keep going. And then the red balloon that pops up in the back seat. Mm-hmm. And then when he starts to carve the H, I mean, uh, the kid who's playing Ben sells it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, able to get away. And that's when Ben meets Bill, Eddie, and Stan, I believe Richie, R- and Richie. And uh, you know, they kind of help
1: him. They're they're deciding do they want to go down into the sewers? Right. Well, there the question. Uh, we talk about, you know, how much story was in this movie versus how much was in the book. Did you need to know the reason why Henry was after Ben and was so angry with Ben? No. Why why was he in the book? I don't know. I guess it's revealed in the book that Henry wanted to cheat off of Ben during class and Ben wouldn't let him. And that's why earlier on when Ben talks to Beverly, he tells you know, she says to him, Everybody knows Henry's looking for you.
2: Yeah. Didn't need it, don't care. Glad they cut it.
1: Okay. So I got a question for
0: you guys. Uh, Out of all of the uh, Pennywise introductions that we get with each one of our characters, which one did you enjoy or creep you out the most? So Bill has Georgie down in the basement, Mm -hmm. right? And then we also have... uh, Eddie walking
2: home in front of the house in Ebold
1: Street. With a leper, Mm -hmm. right? There's a... Ben in the library with the headless boy and, and the Easter eggs, eggs.
2: And the Easter eggs, yep. And, and uh, Mike? Is with that uh, meat locker. hmm Bev the, is, is it the sink?
1: Yeah, she doesn't get it to the introduction, I think, to all the sink.
0: Yeah. And then we have Stanley going up into his dad's office with a painting. hmm
1: mm-hmm.
0: So out of all those
1: that, that we can recall right now. The one that creeps me out the most was the leper. I think just with all the oozing and all the the, everything and the fact that he gets right over him, things like that. And then when it turns into Pennywise with the upside down pyramid balloons, I just thought that was one of the, the best of the introductions.
2: I like Stanley's because it's creepy. It's a slow burn. And that picture frame sells a lot, right? Uh, You look at the picture frame, the old crazy lady's there, you move the camera away, does whatever, you go back to the painting and the figure is gone, but the frame is still there. Uh, Oh, it fell. That's right. Mm -hmm. So it falls and Stanley goes, picks it up and the figure is gone. I think that was really creepy. Um, The leper was cool, um, but I think that the leper and the crazy lady look a little bit Mm -hmm. CGI-ish. So I I think the most effective one is uh, Bill's. Down in the basement. You got
0: one, Ken? Yeah, I got to go with Ben. Ben, when he's lured down into the library basement, and then he hears somebody at the top of the stairs, and we look to see a couple of feet, and then some stuff is dropped, and then down one more set of stairs, and he just stands there looking at him, wondering who it is. And then finally, you know, we see that it is a headless body. And the, the, his his neck is smoldering. And then immediately after that, here comes the body in this all herky-jerky movement, you know, r- rapid succession walking. I love the way that looked. It gave me goosebumps watching him come towards us.
2: Do you know where the head of that body is?
0: Well, he... It's shown through Pennywise, if you will, that it's up in a tree. Yeah. Yeah. I and thought that was little, cool that yeah, they put pictures. it together. Yeah.
2: A lot of good scenes or uh, a lot of good a lot of good scare moments.
0: So uh, let's get back to the sewer. That's where they uh, get Ben. I'm curious. A girl's shoe. Do you guys put your name in your shoes?
2: I was thinking that same thing when I was watching it. No, I don't
1: put my name in my shoes. Do you put your name in your shoes? No, I don't. Huh. You, you never had an overprotective parent who got tired of you losing shit? Well, do you? did you ever lose your shoes? A jacket, maybe. I actually have lost my shoes. And I used to play in the woods out by my house, and we'd all go running through the woods. You never hit one of those big mud patches that you stepped in the mud, and you pulled your foot out, and your shoe did not come with it? Mm, and you wouldn't no. grab it out of there? No. Why? Because I, it was just so deep. I already got stuck once. I'm not going back in and lose the other shoe. You grabbed
2: your. You would grab a shoe with another shoe?
1: No, I'd have to get back. I'd hop back in to get my shoe it was so deep in there.
2: So the sewers, Bill figures out that, you know, if Georgie went down the storm drain, uh, he would end up in the Barrens. And so that's where they kind of uh, start looking. And we get Betty Ripson's shoe. And, you know, the kids, some of the guys, they fuck that. I don't want to go through the sewers. Yeah,
1: what do you think of the gray water?
2: <laughs> you mean the shitty, shitty water? Yeah. Beverly Marsh, a girl bullied over her rumored promiscuity, also joins the group. Both Bill and Ben develop feelings for her. Later, the group befriends orphan Mike Hanlon after rescuing him from Bowers. Each member of the group has encountered terrifying manifestations of the same menacing clown who attacked Georgie a headless, undead boy for Ben, a sink that spews blood only children can see, with Beverly, a diseased and rotting leper for Eddie. A disturbing painting coming alive for Stan, Mike's parents burning alive, and a frightening phantom of Georgie for Bill. Now calling themselves the Losers Club, they realize that they are all being stalked by the same entity, which they refer to as It. They determine that It appears as their individual worst fears, awakening every 27 years to feed on the children of Derry before resuming hibernation and moves about by using the sewer lines, which all lead to an old stone well hidden under an abandoned house on Kneebolt Street. After Pennywise attacks them, the group ventures to the house to confront it, only to be separated and terrorized. As Pennywise gloats to Bill about Georgie, the losers regroup, and Beverly impales Pennywise through the head, forcing the clown to retreat. The group flees the house and begins to splinter, with only Bill and Beverly resolute in fighting it
1: what'd you think of the rock fight
2: i thought this one was great so henry bowers and his douchebag friends are picking on mike down by the river and as the losers are riding down the street they see henry's buddy's car and mike's bike and beverly marsh is like hey isn't that mike hanlon's bike blah 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 and uh (laughs) eddie's like is it It might even been richie because richie's a shithead he's all why do we want to get involved (laughs) <laughs> and beverly's like we got to fucking help him so they go over there and just as henry is about to bash mike's uh head in with a rock which i fully expected him to do
1: oh yeah he looked like he was gonna do it yeah
2: he gets hit in the head with a rock
1: and then i thrown by beverly right and now
2: this rock fight occurs and i thought that's pretty fucking funny i, I thought they did a good job
1: well the best part for me was who yelled rock fight it was uh, Richie. And who got hit on Losers Club first with a rock? Uh, it was probably Richie. Rich- I, I think he gets he, hit as soon as he says he it, says he? says rock fight, and he gets pegged right in the head with a rock, and he's out. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. That was just very comical for me.
0: I want to go back
1: and talk about Beverly's bathroom.
0: Okay. Oh, let's go back just a little bit more. What did you think of her dad? Was her dad
1: just a creep, an asshole, Or a pervert. He was abusing her, whether or not in the movie it's implied sexually abusing her. I know in the book they go into more details, but it's pretty clear he's perverted.
0: That's how he came across to me as well, that he was a perv and not necessarily just an asshole creep.
2: Yeah, and see, and this is one of those instances that you can can imply it uh, and it works, right? You don't have to show it. Absolutely it is my point. And yep. uh, mm-hmm. and they left it up to the audience to decide, you mm-hmm. know, so because e- that made it creepier. Yeah. Either way, he's not a good dude. Mm-mm. You know, he's not getting any father of the year awards from anybody.
0: So there she is in the bathroom and she wax off all of her hair and then all of that blood. I thought that was one of the most effective scenes in the movie. It was a great, horrific moment.
1: Well, it doesn't happen at the same time that she cuts her hair and the blood scene because she cuts her hair, she goes to the quarry swimming, and then it's after that that the blood comes out of the sink with the hair.
0: Well, regardless of that, I think that this is one of the great one of the great moments of the movie because it is just so how she looks, how terrified she is. And she's just bathed in blood and
3: all
2: of the blood all over the walls. It looks so good. My favorite bit in that is when she's trying to tell her dad about the blood and just the look of, of pure uh, disbelief or I mean, she can't comprehend what's happening because she's covered in it. And he's like, well, I'll fucking clean up your mess. You fucking bitch. And I he, mean, he the way she it. sells it, it's, yeah. it's very terrifying. It's very
1: terrifying. Do you know why Pennywise used blood as her fear? Because uh, of her becoming a woman. Yeah, it actually was a metaphor for her. she's afraid to become a woman because of her dad's influence, because of the dad, her dad being the way he was. Sure. So that's what that blood coming up was all about.
0: I also really dug the moment, the moment when she shows the guys the
2: bathroom and they see it and then they're like, we got to get this cleaned up. Yeah. Well, Bill automatically is like, we can't leave this like that.
0: Absolutely. And,
2: you know, during this whole scene, which I, I think is a fun bonding scene, I was thinking, how do you clean up that much blood?
1: No kidding. Julie and I talked about that too. We couldn't believe that even in just a little grouting that they were able to get all of that blood. Well, it's a good thing it was a fucking movie. Yeah. Right? Kind so. of give that little montage moment of them cleaning. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I read that I thought was interesting was the reason why Beverly was so upset. Not just the fact that the blood and all that happened, but why they all banded together to clean the bathroom was because in her place, in her apartment, that was her only safe place. You notice whenever she was trying to get away from her dad, she would go to the bathroom. And now Pennywise has taken away her one safe place. Well, he tried. Yeah, and so that's why the boys give it back to her. Yeah, sure. Now, did you catch another example of foreshadowing? Of what? Of what happens with Ben uh, during that bathroom scene, the cleanup scene?
2: He goes into her room. And he
1: sees something in her room. The poem? He sees a book. You know what the book was? What? The Frog Prince. Oh, yeah. Which was a foreshadowing of... At least I say it's foreshadowing for the kiss that he gives to her later on in the movie,
2: or or in all of that. What else do you want to get into?
0: I don't know. I do. We want to talk about the park scene,
1: which
2: uh, when they're all just sitting there,
0: and they're and 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 Ben is letting them know about the history of dairy, as well as they have probably this year. And then it's going to be 27 years later. Yeah.
2: They, um, I think the scenes where, you know, Ben is giving them and us, the audience, the history lesson, I think is very helpful because they, they condense it and, and they just give us the basics of what we, the audience needs, as opposed to what Stephen King does. And that's probably like a 600 page, uh, (laughs) chapter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I enjoyed it. And uh, knowing that it's actually Mike in the book who's the historian and all of this and the other, it didn't bother me that they made Ben the 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 guy who, who was in the know. Did you notice uh, that... I was curious to know how they were going to handle Chapter 2, and I guess we'll get to that later. Well, I was
1: going to say, do you notice how they, they changed that in Chapter 2 that all said Mike is now the historian? Yeah. So yep. I thought that was interesting. Was that a correction, do you think, that they made?
2: No, I don't I don't know. I think they talk about it uh, in one of the makings of, but who knows why mad men do what they do.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: There's another curious little moment that I was wondering about. They kept showing a couple of police officers walking back and forth behind them. I don't know if it was to give an air of safety or something. I don't know what it was, but it was strange because they kept showing these two officers walking back and forth. Uh, which scene? This scene where they're in the park and they're deducing that we've got a a finite amount of time before it's going to be 27 years later that it it comes out again. I don't know. I didn't know what to make of it. No. Did you also catch the other little Easter egg in the park? Pennywise up on the stage?
1: Yeah, it was Bill Skarsgård dressed as a different clown. Uh, He was actually dressed like uh, Gacy. Oh, really? Yeah, so he was in a Gacy outfit up on stage. So again, it kind of goes back to that. Pennywise is always watching them.
2: So they figure it out, and then they come to the conclusion that uh, everything led back to the well, and uh, this well happens to be uh, in a house that's on Neibolt Street. And this is this is Pennywise's sanctuary. This is where he hangs out.
0: Let's talk about the garage when they're looking at the slides, mm-hmm. and that shows us the sewer system. Okay, I thought that was. Uh, a really nice little uh, a, a tidbit of information for us, the audience, to have to understand the significance of the sewers and the fact that th- this is where they want to go. And having that uh, slide projector start to act a little wonky, it's like, I know exactly what's going on here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I liked the bit when uh, the mom turns into Pennywise, but as soon as he pumps out of the screen, I was just like, oh, fuck you. That
1: was dumb. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I wasn't really...
1: I didn't really like that effect. It's kind of like barking like a dog, kind of.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, just the proportion or just the perspective and uh, what he looked like, and I, I just thought it was a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Just a weird choice. So they they decide that they have to go to the house in Neibolt Street, or Bill decides. Bill's going to go in there alone, right? Uh, but the rest of his uh, posse won't let him. So uh, Bill, Richie, and Eddie, they go into the house first. Uh, what did you guys think of this whole interaction with Pennywise and the kids as they came in?
0: I figured right off the bat that they're going to get separated and they're going to get uh, they that they're going to be tormented by Pennywise. And since I had not seen the movie before, I was completely expecting somebody to die.
1: I, I really liked a lot of the interactions and it's one of those, you know, a sign of a great writer a sign of a great director is when you kind of yell at the screen and I found myself even watching it again saying, why the hell are they separating? Why are they not? You know, why is Stanley just wandering off? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Or not Stanley. It, I'm sorry. Yeah. Was it uh, Rich, Eddie that wandered Richie? off? Richie. One of them. Eddie.
2: It
0: it's was Eddie. Eddie.
1: Eddie wanders off and then he falls to the floor. Yeah. Uh, just, I didn't make, you know, I, I don't say, I would have been basically, if it was you and me, Don and Ken, I'd be up against you guys the whole time.
2: Which is funny because I wouldn't even be in the fucking house. You wouldn't go in?
1: Fuck no. I'm a little bit smarter than that. Mm -hmm. All right. My
2: brother gets his arm bitten off and... Well, you didn't see his arm You think he's still alive. Uh, Okay, I'm just saying. All right. As soon as I see the fucking clown down in the basement with him, I'm like, sorry, Georgie, that fucking sucks. (laughs) Sorry, bud. And I'm trying to keep my distance and my head down until he goes into
1: hibernation again. Fuck that. When Richie goes into the room and turns on the lights and sees all the clowns. What did you think of that scene?
2: I was, uh, when I first saw it in the theater and the scene comes up, I was, my eyes were uh, laser focused on finding where I could see. uh, That's what I was doing too. The original It
3: Mm -hmm. makeup.
2: And he's in there. The Tim Curry's anyway. Yeah, he's in there. Uh, I thought it was a good bit, you know. Uh, You know, Richie says earlier that he's afraid of clowns, and now he has to go into this room with all these clowns. Why do, and Why does he go alone? Why do anybody? Why do they do what they do? I know. Just there's no common sense. Kids, I guess. I don't know. There you go. They're stupid fucking
1: kids. I did like when he gets up to the coffin and he looks in. Did you notice that the Richie doll had his mouth sewn shut?
2: Yeah, and then had all the maggots uh, and the sores yeah. throughout his body.
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing we, uh, Don and I, you or I, were talking about earlier. Uh, Pennywise, when he pops up, says to Richie, "Beep beep, Richie." Why does he say, beep, beep, Richie?
2: Well, it's what, uh, in the book, it's what all of the other losers say when they want Richie to shut up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't, I think they say it once. I think one of the losers says it once in the movie. Uh, they use it a lot in the miniseries, yeah. and they use it a lot in the book, but not so much here. I'll say, it's, I say It is more of a callback.
1: I felt it was actually not even just a callback to the book, but it was a callback to the miniseries. Because they actually did some things to call back to the miniseries. Right. So
0: Pennywise is all set to devour or do whatever it is he's going
2: to do to Eddie. And here comes Bev to save the day. Yeah, out of nowhere. And did you guys think that this was the the final battle, that this was it? Or did you think we were going to...
0: No, I I, I thought that that this was an opportunity for them to get away. But Mm -hmm. it gives them the courage to say...
1: We can do something, yeah.
0: yeah. Rather, rather than just flee,
1: yeah. They see that they actually can hurt him. That's yeah. the first time that they've seen they can fight back, right? But not everyone believes that. Mm-hmm. And, but in
2: order for this to work, they all have to believe it, right? What'd you guys think of Pennywise coming out of the fucking refrigerator? Oh, that was a that was a good looking effect. That was a great mm-hmm. effect. I mm-hmm. thought that worked very
1: well. I guess uh, Bill Skarsgård worked with a contortionist. Some of it was obviously fake limbs and all that, but he had worked with a contortionist yeah. to try to fit in that refrigerator. Yeah,
2: F- fucking uh, when uh, actors go uh, the extra mile, you mm-hmm. know, for the practical effects, I think always pays off. Uh, Would you guys think of the bit of the not so scary, scary, and very scary doors?
1: I love those doors. <laughs> I, I especially love them in the next movie. Um, are they in the next movie they, again they revisit it and they're like oh fine. and one of them i think says something about i'm just gonna believe there's a little dog behind that oh, that, oh and there is yeah all right yeah we'll we'll get, we'll get to that in yeah the next yeah movie. <laughs> but yeah they revisit and they were like oh we're not gonna fall for this again
2: yeah oh that was hilarious because they go to not scary yeah and if you're in that moment come on you're not gonna go in not scary i think i would go in the scariest of all
0: yeah because he's fucking with
2: you. Yeah, well, they're probably all the fucking same, and they're all yeah. fucking scary. So you're fucked either way, right? He's yeah. just fucking with the you. The
1: best choice is just not to open
0: the door.
2: Right.
1: One, one other little
0: nugget, the, uh, the refrigerator scene of Pennywise filmed backwards.
2: Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. But they did a really good job. The CGI works very well. Yeah, because sometimes when you shoot uh, stuff regular and show it backwards, you can tell. So then, uh, after this uh, harrowing experience inside of the Niebolt house, they they take Eddie back to his house, and Mom freaks
1: out. Storms off. I thought they just run out of the house and the mom drives up. No. Well,
2: yeah, no, they cut to because when the mom is yelling out of them, they're in front of Eddie's oh, house. Oh, are they? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. What'd you think of Eddie's arm? I was just going to ask that.
2: That was fucking awesome. That was a great effect.
1: Ugh, yeah. Was, again, you were talking about earlier things that give you the chills. Seeing his arm bent that way gave me the chills. Yeah. Kind of yeah. makes you. Squeamish a little bit on the inside. Especially for the kid who's the hypochondriac and all that. He did such a great job
2: selling that whole bit when Pennywise is right in his face. He did he
1: did a great job. Uh, I like that kid. Did you know that a lot you know, Richie and Eddie had a lot of back and forth throughout this movie? Most of their there that was improvised by the two of them. Yeah, I believe it.
2: So because of what happened um to Eddie, his mom. Forbids him from hanging out with the losers ever again. Storms and Storms off in a pacer. And then uh, Richie has it out with Bill and yells at him because... And he was
0: nearly killed. Look at this motherfucker. He's leaking hamburger helper.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that line. Richie's clearly upset, right?
1: <laughs> and so they break up. They break up for a couple weeks. Well, who, okay, were you... At this point, were you on Richie's side or were you on Bill's side? Because Richie makes the comment of, your brother's dead. You know, I don't want to end up like Georgie. So he makes a pretty nasty comment. Did he deserve to get punched? Uh, Yes and no, because he wasn't wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: Nasty comment, maybe, but sometimes tough love, man. I mean, Bill is obsessed Right And rightfully so. He knows that there's something uh, not right about Georgie's disappearance. Uh, But then again, Bill can also be looked at as uh, neglecting his friend's safety.
1: He's putting them in danger. He's
2: putting them in danger. But the flip side of that coin is Bill always says you don't have to come. So his friends do it out of loyalty to uh, Bill. I think that Richie has a moment. And I think after that's all said and done, he immediately regrets it. Mm -hmm. But it takes a couple of weeks.
1: Well, I think, too, uh, Bill has a point of, and he kind of goes into this more later, that uh, if we don't do anything, he's going to kill all of us anyway. So we might as well go after him.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's fair logic. Mm -hmm. It really is. Well,
0: and, and the other thing that ultimately sells is that these group of misfits come to realize that they have to trust and depend on each other. And it's where they feel for the first time, probably included because they're all outsiders. Sure. Sticking together is going to be what makes them stronger than if they stay
2: apart. Uh, so they splinter, they go their separate ways for a little while.
1: Do we know how long that they are splintered?
2: Uh, it was a couple of weeks, weeks later after Beverly confronts and incapacitates her sexually abusive father, Pennywise abducts her. The Losers Club reassembles and returns to the abandoned house to rescue her. Bowers, who has murdered his abusive father after being driven insane by it, attacks the group. Mike fights back and pushes Bowers down the well. The Losers descend into the sewers and find its underground lair, which contains a mountain of decaying circus props and children's belongings, around which the bodies of its victims float in midair. Beverly, now catatonic after being exposed to bright light inside its gaping mouth, is restored to consciousness when Ben kisses her. Bill encounters Georgie, but recognizes that he is It in disguise. As Pennywise, It takes Bill hostage, offering to spare the others and go into hibernation if they let It feed on Bill. The Losers reject this, battling with It while overcoming their various fears. It is eventually defeated and retreats deeper into the sewers, with Bill declaring that it will starve during its hibernation. After finding the remnants of Georgie's raincoat, Bill finally comes to terms with his brother's death, with his friends comforting him. As summer ends, Beverly informs the group of the vision she had while catatonic. Where she, was, where she saw them fighting it again as adults. The losers swear a blood oath that they will return to Derry as adults if it returns. After the others make their goodbyes and disperse, Beverly and Bill discuss her leaving the next day to live with her aunt in Portland. Before she leaves, Bill reveals his feelings and they kiss. Roll credits. So now we're kind of... Uh, we cut back to Beverly at home, and her dad is particularly even more creepy in this bit because uh, I think Pennywise is fully controlling him.
1: I don't and know. I, I got the feeling he was still kind of in control. Oh, oh,
2: yeah, yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. He's still a creepy bastard. Yeah. Uh, but I, I felt like this one was more creepy, if that's possible. But doesn't she knocks him out with the fucking uh, thing top, from the toilet,
1: right? The t- top lid of the toilet. Can you imagine
2: getting hit with one of those motherfuckers?
1: No. Well, what's the big difference between this scene in the movie and the book version? I don't know. She kills him in the book. Well, he looks pretty dead with that big pool of blood. I think she kills him in this one, too. Yeah, they never really say whether or not he died, but that in the book is the reason why she's going off to stay with her aunt, because she killed him in self-defense.
0: That's how I took
2: it. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I figured as well.
0: That's the second time that I jumped in the movie, was when she turns around and Pennywise is right there.
2: I jumped uh, when I saw it in the theater that time too, because it was like one of those great jump scares. And so uh, he picks up Bev and shows her the deadlights.
1: Here's my question though Fire away. Uh, Bill comes in and finds Pennywise's note scribbled on the wall Uh you die if you try you die if you try but what was something that we were introduced to earlier in Bev's apartment
2: the frog prince
1: no the front door was padlocked by the father how did Bill get into the apartment it was open so maybe Pennywise went out through the front door is that how the door got open how did the door get open we never knew it was locked when she tries to get out before this whole fight with her father she sees the padlock and she's not able to get out that front door
2: Oh, maybe Bill goes in the window.
1: Yeah, I'm just I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting that they Wait, never he, addressed that. Didn't he kick the door open? Who?
0: Bill? Didn't Bill kick the front door open? Uh I don't think so.
1: I'll have to go back and watch that scene.
0: Yeah,
2: we'll have to go back and
1: watch that I
0: scene. I guess
2: we'll watch it tonight. So <laughs> Pennywise chose Bev the uh deadlights. And
1: which I guess is Supposed to be his true form is these deadlights, yeah.
2: And in the book, it goes into description of what the deadlights are, and I still couldn't tell you what it means, uh, because that's just kind of how Stephen King does things. It reminded me a lot of uh Christine when uh, they're at the movie theater or the drive in, and though that big bright light in Christine reminded me a lot of the deadlights from uh
1: it. It makes sense because he does uh, cross all these different movies.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So Beverly gets kidnapped and the Losers Club have to reform. And we're going back to the house in Nebold Street. I want to jump back to the scene just before, which is we have
0: Henry and his buddies and his dad shows up. It turns out his dad's a police officer. And then they get into a fight and then he shoots his gun at Henry's feet. Mm-hmm. And then he says that little bit, look at him now, boys. Nothing like a little bit of fear to make a paper man crumble. And then, holy shit, goes in and kills his dad.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, he is uh, possessed. He's being well, he's being influenced.
0: Yeah, manipulated. What's the, what's the difference? But regardless, I couldn't believe that happened.
1: It's like, man, he kills his dad. I, uh, like the, I like the way he does it. I like how the TV is egging him on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And then he puts the knife, uh, the switchblade, to to his throat. Yep. And then he presses the button. So we don't have to see anything, but we know. You know what I mean? I thought that was a good, effective kill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he pulls it out and blood everywhere. And yeah. Henry's a psycho motherfucker.
0: So Beverly gets taken, and Bill gets the message, you die if you try. And how ballsy is it for these
1: kids to be so resolute? We're going down. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is kind of where a place... You know, Pennywise tried to split them up and divide them apart. But now he's given them a reason to come back together angry and with less fear. Yeah. So he almost screwed himself there. Is, yeah. that, is that what you were referring no, to earlier? My my critical error is coming up a little bit.
0: So I am struck by <laughs> this derelict house on the road because up just up the street a little bit, you can see it's a regular neighborhood with regular cars. And it cracked me up the way these guys would always drop their bikes,
2: like right in the middle of the street. Right in the middle of the street. No matter where they were, if you notice, they just dropped the bikes. Except for Stan. Stan uses the kickstand.
1: (laughs) Well, that's because that's silver. Uh, What is? That's the name. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, Bill's bike as silver. That's not Stan's bike.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think, well, I think uh, Stan does it because uh, that's what good Jewish boys do. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, I was thinking if I am in this moment and I'm a kid, would I have the cojones to go down and face this type of a fear? I don't know if I could do it. Granted, they're going down together
1: and it's for one of them. Feels a little Goonies-like in a way. Oh, very much so. I'd like to think that, you know, since their first fight against him where they kind of figured out, you know, it's a fear thing. And the fact that they have Beverly, I think I would go in that house. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, so they make it down the well,
2: and they find... Uh, Bill makes it down first, and he finds
1: Beverly floating, uh, but then he notices Georgie. Well, would you first of all, before they got all the way down, when Mike and Henry are fighting up top the well, and Henry gets knocked in and flies down that well, did you immediately just assume Henry's dead?
2: No, no, because
1: I've read the book. You read the book. <laughs> what do you think of seeing this movie?
2: I thought he was supposed to be dead. But sure. clearly, he's not. Oh, oh, sorry, Professor. Spoiler alert: Henry's not dead.
0: You uh, already mentioned at the beginning of
2: the movie. Beware spoilers. Oh, you listened to that? That's good. 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 Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Um, I thought it was. I thought. When I saw it, I thought, oh, fuck, how does he survive Because that, was, no that was pretty fucking brutal. That,
1: that's, the only way I can think of is it must have just been water at the bottom, and he splashed into or, the water. Or Pennywise saved him somehow. Somehow. Who knows?
0: Or, or maybe you know he kept bouncing off the wall, and it slowed him down. Uh-huh, that
1: was pretty nasty ricocheting as he's going down. That was pretty nasty ricochet going down. <clears throat>
2: um, so they make it down, and Bill finds Beverly floating, and then he sees Georgie. What did you guys think of the bit of the Bill and Georgie scene?
0: I, I want to comment the first time we look up to see all the floating bodies. Uh, I, I was a little gobsmacked by that yeah that that was uh, that was not
1: what I was expecting.
0: Hey
2: Pennywise has been telling you the whole fucking movie you'll float too so they were all floating yeah you know what I mean?
1: Well I figured out early on when they first first fight when they stabbed him in the head his blood floated upwards. And to me, that told me, okay, things aren't don't work normally with this guy. Obviously, he's supernatural, whatever. So the whole floating down below, there must be some floating something down there.
2: Yeah, yeah. That was the
1: first time you thought he was supernatural? No, I'm just saying with the whole floating, that's kind of where I thought maybe the floating thing was coming from. Yeah, yeah. You'll float too. That gravity doesn't work. But... You're talking about the Georgie and the Pennywise, or Georgie and Bill interaction, and you know, Georgie coming out, and you're thinking, stupid kid's gonna fall for this. But this is where the critical error happened. And you caught the critical error, they made it pretty obvious. When he says, uh, boats are called she. Basically, Georgie refers to the boat as it. Yeah. And Bill has to remind him we call boats sheep. Right. And that's and that's when Bill figures
2: it out. And exactly. you can see and you can see it on his face. That's the critical error I was talking yeah. about. We know that it's not Georgie. Mm-hmm. We know that it's it. And Bill takes the the bolt gun that he got from Mike, the one that they used to kill the sheep or whatever they were. And I thought this bit was really good. I thought both kid actors really sold it. Uh Georgie not wanting to die. And Bill not wanting to pull the trigger, but he knows that it's not Georgie. But this is Bill's chance to say goodbye, the chance that he never got. And he gets to find out that he only has one arm. But I thought that, you know, Bill was smart about it and uh, he shoots him in the head. And then uh, the other losers see it. Well, before that, they have to get Beverly down. Right. I saw this coming a mile away.
1: Well, when Georgie's on the ground, he starts convulsing and making that. Do you know what the sounds were that he was making? convulsing sounds they took i guess the sounds that georgie made when uh he got his arm cut off or bitten off and was being dragged in the sewer and played it backwards Uh, for that noise that he was making when he was convulsing
2: interesting so they get beverly down and it's ben who figures out how to break the trance and uh you know true love works and it wakes beverly up so now they are all Together and Pennywise starts convulsing turns from Georgie back into Pennywise. And then they each start taking turns, kind of beating him, and they get into a fight basically, Yep. you know, and uh, he, Pennywise is still throwing fears out there. He's still trying to, to get them all. I mean, he turns himself into a mummy, which is uh, Ben's fear, which is a callback to the book because the book is supposed to take place in the 50s when they were kids and the uh, uh, mummy and Wolfman, they were all popular. That's why those were the fears. But since it got updated, we got the fears that we got. What'd you guys think of this whole this whole fight scene? I, I thought it was pretty good. I, it was, I kept thinking to myself, uh, there's a point where uh, Mike goes to attack it and it flings its arm and Mike flies and does that thing in the movies where the person hits the wall and then kind of falls down. Do you know how much that would fucking hurt? Mm-hmm. How does this 12 year old get up? It fucking amazes he, me. He's spunky.
0: They're, <laughs> they're kids. They're bouncy. They're resilient. You know what else I noticed about this whole fight scene? They're doing the classic trope. Let's fight him one at a time. One
2: at a
1: fucking time. You're okay,
2: absolutely right. You go at it. All right. Now you go at it. Oh, you didn't do so well? Here, let me give it Let me give it a shot here.
1: Yeah. One yeah. thing that, uh, you know, all the different transformations he was going through, I have to say, probably for me, the creepiest was when he became Bev's father.
2: Oh, that was pretty creepy. And then what does he say to her? You'll always be my little. And she is having none of it. Mm. So she comes down with the fucking, yeah, she comes down with the fucking iron rod right through his fucking head. Because
1: all he's doing at this point is just pissing them off. Yeah, yeah.
2: And they figured it out, right? It's like when Nancy figures out how to beat Freddy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just take away its power and it thrives on fear, which is an ongoing theme with Stephen King. Dr. Sleep. Think about that one. But I like this bit where it gets the upper hand, holds on to Bill, and he's saying, go ahead, you guys take off, leave me him, we'll call it even. And Bill's even like, go guys, get out of here, I dragged you into this, I, I, you know, this is my fault.
1: Being that it's a Stephen King book, when I first saw this, I almost thought that that's how it was going to end. I almost thought Bill was going to sacrifice himself, and then they were all going to come back together to avenge him 27 years later. Yeah, but
2: good in theory but for me i i mean i read the book and i I saw the miniseries I, you know how it's going to end i thought it was an interesting take that now you know pennywise throws the ball into their court and richie is the one that says you know you know bill you fucking idiot this is all your fault you're in his arms about to get eaten because i told you that this was fucked and we shouldn't have done it now i gotta kill this fucking clown and i think it's that moment that everybody turns and uh all of the fear is gone really and then they start whooping Pennywise's ass
0: finally getting some of that anger aggression out back onto him
2: yeah and as it turns out i mean they're not defeating pennywise they're they're kind of his time's up mm-hmm. and he's got to go back to hibernate but he's gonna go hungry because well he didn't get these guys he got all the other ones though so I don't know but how also he's gonna go
1: all the little kids up floating oh did he not get them I, sorry, I no. assumed that was his food for the rest of the hibernation right that's a good he's point. probably sucking their fears and emotions while they're all in this you know trance- like state yeah
0: but now true. all of them are floating back down Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Because they'll float too.
1: The other thing I thought too when I first saw this, and I had seen the miniseries, but the miniseries was pretty different, uh, was that maybe these floating kids were going to be still alive. Oh, I never once
2: thought that. There, are, it's a Stephen King book. You got to just assume that everyone's dead.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Because, like in I think the miniseries, it's Bill. Like later on, it's Bill's wife who had seen the deadlights and was floating, and she comes down and she's now alive again.
2: So they defeat Pennywise for the time being, and he retreats back down into a deeper well. And then we, the losers, the losers make their way out of the Barrens, and they they don't know if it's dead. It feels like it's gone, uh, but not necessarily dead and defeated. So Bill says
1: well right before that it's given a hint that uh they the one of the reasons why they think it's gone is because they're starting to forget like a cloud is all sudden starting to form in their brains that they can't remember what just happened yeah there's that because that's what kind of happens in the second movie is none of them remember any of it ever happening
0: and we're also given that it is now september and so now bev tries to recount what it is that she remembers when she was unconscious
3: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: And she says that she saw them as adults fighting it again. So that's when Bill says, if it comes back, we have to make a promise to each other that we'll come back as well and fight it. Uh, in the book, it's Stan actually who suggests that.
1: And I guess in the book too, something I read, they unknowingly did some kind of ritual with the scar and the blood and everything that that's what allowed them to remember, eventually remember and to fight it again because I guess we'll talk about this when we review the next movie. At the end of that, you know, whatever, after they actually kill but the scars all disappear. Now, did you catch, as they're all saying their goodbyes and leaving, did you catch the order in which they left? This is going to be important when we review the next movie. And I'm not going to say what it is about it, but just know that it's Stan that left first, then Eddie. And that'll be important for the next movie. Okay. Why? Why is it important? Oh, I don't want, I know we said spoilers, then, but, but I don't want to ruin it for then, him. Well, then why'd you bring it up? Because you haven't seen the second movie, is that correct? Correct. Then I, I'm going to just leave it at that. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Did you catch during the credits that they had, they purposely added in Pennywise laughing as a hint that he's not dead? No,
2: you know what else was another hint? That it said it, chapter one. Totally. All right. Uh, so, you know, it, chapter one, not too bad going through the sewers and and all of that and them you know becoming this gang this
1: losers club
2: you know it it reminded me of a lot of things what did it remind you of don
1: did it remind you of a fellowship of sorts oh fuck i didn't see that coming shithead and now it's time for john's
3: precious
1: moment This is the point in our podcast where I take any movie that we were reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. So with this movie, I'm going to start out by saying Aragorn is Bill Denborough. Bill is the leader of the group. He's the one that always charges in first. But at the same time, Bill is also our Frodo. He's on a mission to resolve what happened to Georgie. Almost to the point of obsession. The ring he carries is the mystery he must solve. The just all-consuming need to find out what happened to his brother. The corruption is that this, this stops him from fully grieving and moving on. Arwen, Aragorn's love interest, who spends most of the movie out of reach, is Beverly Marsh. Not only is she the love interest in the movie but she's also also brave and a fighter as well. Beverly Marsh is also Bill Sam. She's loyal, she's a good friend, and as with the pharmacy, she's willing to do what's needed to help the mission succeed. Legless is Ben, the new kid. You might think his height and shape makes him more of a Gimli, but it's it's his quiet nature and logic that is an asset to the fellowship of losers. Gimli, in my opinion, is chosen Jacobs. Like Gimli, he's tough, a fighter, and not afraid to share his opinion. Gandalf, well, this is kind of a, a stretch, but he's loosely Stan. Stanley was a tough one to figure out, but if you think about it, he serves as the voice of reason, even if his advice is rarely followed. He's the one who often makes suggestions to stop the Fellowship from charging right in. And you might take into account in part two, his death serves a purpose to further unite the group. Merry and Pippin? Well, that's got to be Richie and Eddie. While part the fellowship they are also the comic relief for this next part i ask you to give me a little bit of leeway if you know the movies you'd say sauron is pennywise but if you know anything about the stephen king universe you know that pennywise has a boss and his boss is the crimson king so that makes sauron the crimson king so basically after that that makes pennywise Sal Ruman. While he serves a master, he has an agenda of his own. Now, regarding Henry Bowers, you might think he's an urukai leading the group of orcs. For Henry, going after the losers was not just an assignment from his boss, it was personal. It's like he's trying to fill a need, a desire that is unattainable. He skulks around, appearing from the shadows to strike. So I see Henry more of a golem. And there you have it, my comparison between it and Lord of the Rings. It'll actually be interesting to see how my comparison changes after we watch part two. But in the meantime, bring on the grades.
0: Well, for me, I, uh, I I like the comparison that you had for Bill being Aragorn and as well as Frodo and having Ben be Legolas, I go for that. And I think the Beverly part works as well. After that, I didn't think those were as strong. So I'm going to give this a C plus C plus,
2: uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the, the the comparisons you made make sense. Uh, I had to laugh out loud when you said Ben was Legolas, but looks like Gimli. Uh, that that was funny. So I, I gave you a, a bonus point just for making me laugh. But then I went around and then I went ahead and turned around and took it away because you went into the Crimson King, which has no reference whatsoever in the movie. So, I mean, you, you went to the back lore and it makes sense. It makes sense. It just, it's not represented in the movie. So I am going to give you good, sir, a solid C. Good job. And that was John's
1: moment. And how the fuck are you going to spoil it for the good, sir? Here. I didn't say how he dies. Oh for fuck's sake. See when, you you, you could
2: you could have left all of that out because it hadn't happened yet. So Pennywise dies in two? Yes. So does everyone else. And they're all taken out by a killer car driven by a Saint Bernard that has rabies, all's the while
1: The Crimson King
2: driving around in a cornfield.
1: That'd be a good movie.
2: Oh, and followed by a semi truck with the Green Goblin's face on it. Microck. Dr- driven by Kathy Bates. <laughs> driven by Kathy Bates oh snuckle doodles well, however you know polite she was that's a good one
1: misery's a good one so I have a question for you guys before we get into our reviews uh Pennywise obviously appears in it and it chapter two did you know that he appears in other books of Stephen King or has references
2: no it doesn't surprise me because we talked about that last me. week yeah.
1: can you guess how many books five 10. Are we right or are we wrong? He has referenced, basically referenced or seen in seven total books. Ah, there you go.
2: I was closest. No, I was closest. I was closest. I was five.
1: Yeah, but you
0: round up. Seven up to ten. You round up.
1: No, let's round down because you'll float too. The most interesting appearances, I thought, was, and some of these books I haven't even heard of, I guess uh, Stephen King wrote a book in 1973 called Gray Matter. And in there... Uh, a man returns from the sewers having his hair turned bright white and claiming to have seen a giant spider. So they considered that one of the first uh, sightings of Pennywise In Tommy knockers. Tommy uh, supposedly saw a clown with silk, shiny silver dollars for eyes when he was looking at the sewer drains as he was going through dairy. So, He talks it up to he must have been seeing things. Another one is in Dreamcatcher where uh, one of the characters goes and finds a plaque that is a memorial to the people that died during what's happened in this book. Um, And on there is spray painted Pennywise Lives. So that's just something I thought was the interesting reference to how Stephen King is kind of keeping Pennywise alive in the books.
2: Did you ever see Dreamcatcher?
1: I have not seen Dreamcatcher or read that.
2: Have you seen Dreamcatcher?
1: No, sir. It's pretty good. It's one of
2: the ones of Stephen King I like. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Derry, actually, the town of Derry, has either been uh, the subject, like uh, where people have lived, or has been referenced in tons of Stephen King books. I guess he just loves this made-up town that he has. Well, it's that and Maine. He likes Maine Mm -hmm. a lot, too. Yeah, a lot of his stories are set in Maine. Yeah, absolutely
2: all right so what do you guys think you guys ready to rate this
0: bitch i'm ready to rate this bitch you ready to rate this bitch john i guess i could be talked into it
2: uh professor how do we rate our movies
0: we rate our movies on a scale of one to five fucks five fucks is a movie that is cinematic gold you're ready to watch that anytime somebody says you want to watch this yes i do a one fuck movie is a movie where you've seen it and it holds no interest whatsoever to see any of it again and what's a zero a zero fuck movie, somebody owes me two hours of my life back. Fuck you for making me watch that. Or in other words, we
2: just don't give a fuck. Uh, who would like to go first? I'd like to give a fuck first. Would you like to give a fuck first? I'd, lo- I'd be willing to give a fuck first. All right, Professor, please give us a fuck.
0: All right, so we are talking about Stephen King's It. Chapter it, one. It doesn't say that until the end of the movie. <laughs> if you look at It,
1: it is always referenced as It. What is it? It. The last time Don asked me to look at it, it wasn't a movie. What is it? It.
2: It. What is it? I love that song. This is it?
1: No. What is it? What? How's that a song? You don't know that song? No. no. Okay. Sing it. <laughs> mm, that's not happening. <laughs> I'm sorry,
0: Professor. Go ahead. <laughs> so, the movie It. 2017's It. It. I had never seen this movie, and I was I was curious to see the movie because when this came out, that Halloween, the following Halloween after this, clowns were everywhere. They were everywhere. And so for it to saturate Halloween the way that it did, it's got to be a halfway decent movie. Now, granted, Stephen King's movies, they don't always translate all that well. Most of the time, eh. It's a little dicey if you're going to get something really good out of it. It follows its story, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to materialize onto the big screen all that well. Knowing that it was a Stephen King movie kind of was disappointing for me because I didn't get to have the uh, startle the the the, uh, the the big scares out of it or the oh shit moments. I didn't really encounter any oh shit moments because I am familiar enough after reading enough Stephen King to note just you know, how macabre and dark and how twisted he's willing to go and how quickly he is willing to just yank somebody from the story. So I was prepared to have any of that happen to any of these characters at any time. And so when the setup comes for Pennywise to make an appearance, it was in general unsurprising. And I felt a little uh, disappointed that that was taken from me. If it wasn't a Stephen King story, I think it might have helped me a little bit. But on the flip side, I am eager to delve into the story at some time because I think that there is a much richer story to be told through the book rather than through the movie. I really enjoyed the camar- the camaraderie that the characters shared with each other. The cast, I thought, was strong. The the, the kids, they they play nicely off of each other. I, I enjoy their merry little band that they eventually find themselves to be in and come to embrace and and look towards each other to find their strength, knowing that they are stronger together. The movie, for the most part, it did feel a little long. It was, it was a lot to, to unpack in the movie. And because there was a lot to unpack in the movie... It was, I guess, like I said, it kind of felt like that it kind of dragged a little bit. It's interesting having the different uh, stories develop, but that's a lot of story developing because you have so many characters that need to get their story out in order to have the tapestry woven together to make the culmination of the story arc of the movie. So for the most part, it's a, it's a good watch, but it's not necessarily something that, uh, that leaves me feeling jazzed to see again anytime soon. And Pennywise, as a, a, a horror villain, I think he works well. And I appreciated how convincing he comes across as this supposedly innocent, at first, to lure children to him. Because that is his prey. And the creepiness of him works very well. But ultimately, in the end, it's not enough to carry me to say, I'm ready to watch that again. I'm giving
2: this movie two fucks. Two fucks from The Professor.
1: Would you like me to go next? Oh, sure, buddy. Go ahead. Creepy, unsettling, disturbing, and tense. These are all words I would use to describe it. Besides some of the jump scares, though, I wouldn't call this movie scary. Now, it might have been different if I first saw this movie when I was a lot younger, but at no time really did I feel that, that scare factor of you know wanting to close my eyes, anything like that. Bill Skarsgård's portrayal of Pennywise is really what makes this movie's work. He manages to create one of the creepiest characters I've seen in a movie that combines a childlike innocence to lure his prey and an ubered power monster ferocity. That smile, that actually does give me chills. Those eyes that look both at his victim and the audience, that's all Bill, and it's just amazing. This movie does drag at points, but that's Stephen King. If you want a movie true to his writing, you're going to get a lot of exposition, character subplots, and long, detailed buildups. This movie is less about beating Pennywise, beating it, and more about building the bonds between the Losers Club members where their love for each other is stronger than the fear the clown induces. It's all buildup in this movie to really set us up for the big fight that comes in the next movie. But I have to say, and I said it earlier, this is one of my go-to movies. This is one of the movies when I don't have something to watch. I like to watch it because there's so many new things I see each time I watch this movie. I also love looking into the lore of the character and how much detail and how much you know of the universe that Stephen King has created for these characters. And I love the fact that Stephen King has even said, this character, of all the characters he's ever written, this villain scares him the most. He's said in interviews that he's not sure whether Pennywise is alive or dead, but he's never going to write about Pennywise again because it scares him personally. So for those reasons, I'm going to go ahead and give it, Four and a quarter fucks. Four and a quarter fucks from the comic book guy. And did you say two
2: fucks? Yes, sir. You gave it two fucks?
0: Yes, sir. Oh, wow. Okay.
2: <clears throat> he's not much of a snob, is he? Um, Not his type of movie. That's true. He, he doesn't. He's not a big horror guy. did not you like how we talk about you as if you're not here? Um. <laughs> all right, my turn. I, I, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Were, were you saying something? No, not at all, sir. Not at all. Not at all, still. So. Good, sir. Uh, it. Stephen King's adaptations of his books uh, are sometimes hit and miss, and sometimes they are TV movies. Sometimes they're theatrical releases. They're kind of all over the place. Uh, I remember watching it in 1990 and thinking it's on TV, it's really not a lot scary, um, kind of hokey. And then after that, I, I read the book, and it became one of my favorite Stephen King books, even though it's fucking long, right? I like the premise. I like the good versus evil. Um, I like the characters. And, you know, Stephen King gets criticized about not knowing how to end a book, and even it has its problems. But when I found out that they were... Uh, remaking it and it was coming out in 2017 with technology being where it's at and being that they've upgraded the story so the kids portion doesn't take place in the 50s it takes place in the 80s and then the adults will take uh, take place in present time so it, it updates our story, and, and it brings our characters in uh, to a time frame that uh, I can relate with. And I appreciated uh, the story, and I really enjoyed this cast. Bill Skarsgård is great as Pennywise. I think he's creepy. I think he does the job. And I think that if I ever saw Pennywise, fuck him being a cute, cuddly fucking clown. I'm running a 1,000 miles an hour in the opposite direction. All right. He plays it that creepy and he plays it that well. No wonder people are afraid of clowns. They're fucking scary. Right. And he fucking sells it Uh, out of the adaptations that have been made. I think it is pretty close to the book. And after, you know, the closing credits, it says it. And then the chapter one comes out. I remember being in the theater and people cheered because we wanted more. Uh, We get more. And we probably get another half hour to boot Uh, it. Chapter two is longer and uh, we're going to do that next week. So, you know, that's that. But as a standalone, I think it can work uh, because it has a beginning, middle and end. And even though they send uh, it into hibernation, it still can be classified as a win. You know, so if it chapter two never came out, sure, it would be a bummer, but it chapter one would still be a fun horror movie. I very much classify it as a horror movie because whether or not the jump scares work, uh, they tried, you know what I mean? And I think that's what kind of classifies it. And how many times can you watch a movie where the jump scare continually works? Very few and far between, right? If it gets you the first time, then it did its job. And for this movie, it got me a couple times. Uh, Because I remember seeing it in the theater. I remember feeling the way I did. And I really enjoyed it. So that being said, I'm going to give it chapter one, four fucks. So with four and a quarter fucks from the comic book guy, two fucks from the professor, and four fucks from yours truly, that gives it an average of 3.5 fucks. Which means it is slightly better than Tango and Cash and Mallrats, and slightly worse than 1917, Top Gun, and Commando, but it falls right in line with Big Trouble in Little China, Heat, and Peanut Butter Falcon. So I would watch all those movies over it. Um, I it would depend on my mood, mm-hmm. for sure. If it's Halloween, I'll watch it. You know, if it's in the middle of fucking March. I might go with big trouble. You know what I mean? All right. So I think that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you want to know what movie we're doing next week, spoiler alert, it's It Chapter 2. But either way, check out the website and any social media that we are on for our teaser. Speaking of which, hey, John, where can they find us?
1: Well, they can always find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com. You can also find us on any place uh, that has social media or hosts podcasts. All right.
2: Uh, I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for always listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And thank you to everyone else out there who are listening to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Send us a line. Let us know what movie you want us to review, and we'll get it done.
1: Yeah, and let us know, too. I'd like to know, what is your favorite Stephen King movie? Yeah, let us know. Do you think anyone will talk to us?
2: I'm hoping. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, so for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don.
1: I'm John. And I'm Ken.
2: Thanks for listening.
1: So you got a porn name for this one? It. I was going to say clit. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one.
2: Uh, a porn name for what? For it. What's it? Clit. It's a clit? Yeah, it's a clit. It's a clit. Well, that, there you go. There's your porn name.
1: I don't so. know. What you, I guess you could change Pennywise and add a U. Penis-wise? I was thinking Pussywise.
2: Well, there you go. But oh, penis, I penis don't even slasher. know why I don't even know why you look at this guy. He just keeps rolling his eyes and like he's so much better than we are. You know, He's so just. do you feel the judgment coming down from this guy right no, now? What,
1: what I get is if I was going to read his mind right now is, is there anybody else looking for like a pod ho- or a podcast, you know, host or <laughs> someone I could join on a better podcast?
2: Oh, wait, he wants to get off our podcast to join a better podcast? A more mature one. I didn't say that. My well, My eyes, my eyes, your might eyes say kind that, of but I, said that. I did not say that. Say what?
0: It. Who's it?
2: All right, fuck off, good night.